verse 11, Acts 28, verse 11, we come to the final chapter of the book of Acts, the final pages of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 28, beginning with verse 11. The final pages of the book of Acts. But you will notice in this chapter, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 28, that it does not have a formal conclusion to it. Which lets you know that what happened here in the book of Acts is only an introduction. You are the continuation of the book of Acts. The witness that God has placed and planted into the earth is still in the earth today, and that is the church of the living God. So the book of Acts has no formal conclusion. It is only an introduction. It is really the only, really the first chapter of the church. So I'm glad to tell you that. It will seem like it ends sort of strangely, but amen. God has a purpose in that. So look at Acts 28 and verse 11. The Bible says, After three months we departed in a ship of Alexandria, which had wintered in the isle, whose sign was Castor or Castor and Pollux. And landing at Syracuse, we tarried there three days. And from thence we fetched a compass and came to Regium. And after one day, the south wind blew. And we came the next day to Cuteoli. Cuteoli. Okay, verse 14, where well, we found brethren and were desired to tear with them seven days, and so we went toward Rome. And from thence, when the brethren heard of us, they came to meet us as far as Apa Forum and the three taverns, whom when Paul saw, he thanked God and took courage. And when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard. But Paul was suffered to dwell by himself with a soldier that kept him. It came to pass that after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews together. And when they were come together, he said unto them, Men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people or customs of our fathers, yet was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who when they had examined me would have let me go, because there was no cause of death in me. But when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar, not that I had ought to accuse my nation of, but this cause therefore have I called for you to see you and to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. And they said unto him, We neither received letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither any of the brethren that came showed or spake any harm of thee. But we desire to hear of thee what thou thinkest. For as concerning this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. And when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him in his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets, from morning till evening. And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed. After that, Paul had spoken one word. Well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers, saying, Go unto this people and say, Hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see and not perceive. 
For the heart of this people is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Be it known unto you, therefore unto you, that the salvation of God is sent to the Gentiles, and they will hear it. And when he had said those words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning among themselves. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word today. God, as we bring to a conclusion, Lord, our study in the book of Acts, we ask that you would speak to every heart that is gathered here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. If you look up here on the map, we covered the journey of the Apostle Paul. Uh, just to point out one thing, when he was over in Myra and he caught that ship of Alexandria, he traveled from there to Snidus. And that wasn't on the other map that we saw last week. When he eventually made it over here to Crete, Fair Havens, they also went over to, the Bible says, Clauda. And that's when they got in that huge storm that we saw last week. They thought they were going to get on the North African coast or blown the coast of North Africa. But God sent them, directed them to a little island called Mylita. Modern day times is Malta. And then from Malta, after a period of time there, the Bible says they stayed right here in Malta during the winter time. And that's verse 11, if you look at verse 11. After three months, we departed in a ship of Alexandria, which had wintered in the isle, which sign was Castor and Pollux. So right here on this island of Mylita or Malta, they stayed in the winter time for three months. Ships don't sail in the winter time. So having stayed there for three months, now they're going to make their journey up to Syracuse, which is in Sicily, and then from there to Regium at the foot of Italy, or Rome, Italy. And then from there they will go to Puteoli, and from Puteoli they will make their way to the taverns, three taverns, the Api, and then up to Rome where Paul uh, has been on this ship for approximately a year, and he's finally made it to Rome just as the Scripture has told us that he would. If you look at verse 11, let's talk about what is happening here in the final verses of this book of Acts. The Bible says, After three months we departed in the ship of Alexander, which had wintered in the isle, whose sign was Castor and Pollux. So they had stayed there in Malta for three months because of the winter. This is a picture of times that you go through, or times that I go through, where it's very, very cold where we learn cold and hard lessons from God. But even though that three-month period of time, the apostle and those men that were with them, the 276 total, including Paul, the Bible tells us they just continue to do what you would normally do, and that's serve the Lord. And you can get that in the verses before that. So in those cold, hard times, cold, hard lessons that come to you, when it seems like heaven is not answering you, you're not getting direction from the Lord. God's not answering your prayers, it seems like. You need to do the same thing that Paul did, and that's to work and to labor and to continue to witness for the Lord and to abide where you are. 
Don't let anything move you because you're going to go through cold, hard times. And you're going to learn some cold, hard lessons. But just be faithful to God, abide in the presence of the Lord, and work for God and serve God faithfully. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul did during that three-month period of time. He's witnessing to those natives that are on that island. The sick are being healed of their sick diseases. And so he's ministering and he's working. He's picking up sticks, whatever he's got to do to stay warm. And he's serving God and he's preaching the gospel. And the Bible says after three months they left. But history will tell you that a church started right there in Malta. Even though the Bible doesn't tell us anybody came to Christ in these chapters. History tells us that a church began right there in Malta during that three-month period of the Apostle Paul. Now, you got to understand, it was cold and it was winter. But he kept at it. He kept preaching. He kept laying hands on the sick. And by the way, miracles are still for us today. I don't care what any denominational system tells you. Miracles are still for us today. God still heals. And God still fills with His Spirit. And so in those cold, hard winter months, those three months in Malta, he just stayed busy serving the Lord. The sick got healed. And eventually a church was established. They caught a ship, another ship of Alexandria, Egypt, which is a grain ship that carried the grain up to Rome from Malta. And the Bible says the sign of that ship was Castor and Pollux. Those are the two brightest stars in the constellation Gemini, the twins, Castor and Pollux. And these um, two stars... Castor and Pollux, they deified them. And they carved them into the stern or into the boat itself because they believed that Castor and Pollux protected the sailors in the, in the sea or from storms. So while some trusted in stars, the Apostle Paul trusted in his God. So there are some people who are very superstitious. They're still superstitious today. They want to know what their stars say and how the stars is directing them, etc. But we trust in the name of the Lord God. We don't put our confidence in the stars. And so we have here a, a group of people who put their confidence in Castor and Pollux, those two bright stars in Gemini, to protect them on their journeys. But of course, the Apostle Paul trusted in the Lord. Now, they journeyed from Malta. If you'll look up here again, and if you can see it. Maybe you can see it from here better. They journeyed from Malta to Syracuse in Sicily. And the Bible says when they got there, they tarried there three days. You see that? Okay. Let me point to you here. Right here at the foot of Rome, Italy, they tarried here for three days. Why did they wait? Why did they tarry? Because the winds were not strong enough. So in Malta, they had to wait because of the winter time. When they got up here in Sicily, they had to wait because the wind wasn't strong enough. Isn't that interesting that they had just come through a hurricane, a, a tremendous storm, which we talked about last week. The winds were too strong there. And it destroyed the ship. They lost the ship at Malta. But now they come over here into Sicily, in Syracuse, and there's not enough wind for them to sail. So there's sometimes when you have to have wind. Wind is necessary. So in Malta, they waited on the winter time. Now they're waiting on the wind. They need wind to get them to their destination. So they wait 
three days there in Sicily. I wonder what Paul did there in Sicily while he was there. Same thing he did in Malta while he was waiting through the winter time, three months. He's witnessing. He's preaching the gospel. Everywhere he went, he's preaching the gospel. He's declaring the word of God. Now the Bible doesn't tell us this, but history tells us that today there is a church in Sicily that literally finds its roots in that three-day time the Apostle Paul waited for the winds in order to go to Rome. A church was established and literally today they find their roots all the way back into the days of the Apostle Paul during that three-day period of time. So whether it be winter time or the winds are not right, Paul is always busy serving the Lord. Verse 13, From thence they fetched a compass and came to Regium. That's at the foot, as I pointed out earlier, the foot of Italy. Okay? And after one day the south wind blew, we came next to Puteoli. Or, you might, it's Puteoli is the way it's pronounced, right up here. This is about 30 miles from Rome. So it's like if you were on an airplane and you caught your flight and you landed in the airport, but your destination is in that city somewhere, you've got to have somebody come and pick you up from the airport to take you to your destination. That's what you have here at Puteoli. It's on the border of Rome, Italy, okay? About 30 miles from, uh, from Rome, praise God. Now, what is interesting is that it only took them a short period of time. Let me make sure I've got this correct. Look at verse 14. Verse 13. And from this we fetched a compass and came to Regium, and after one day the south wind blew. We came the next day to Puteoli. So how long did it take them to get there from Regium? Only a couple of days. All right? God moved them very quickly. That's about a 180-mile journey from Regium to uh, Puteoli. When God gets ready to move and God gets ready to do something, He's going to move quickly. And so that's what happened here. And then they make their, their way up to Puteoli. Amen. They're about 30 miles from Rome. So they've, they've made it to land, basically. And now they've just got to go up to Rome a short distance and He will uh, make it to His destination. Okay? At this point, it's in the middle of spring. It's around 61 A.D. About, about mid-March, I should say. Mid-March, the beginning of spring. Verse 15, And from thence, when the brethren heard of us, they came to meet us as far as Api Forum and the three taverns or three stores, whom when Paul saw, he thanked God and took courage. You see that? Okay, so he gets over here. He travels from Puteoli. They go over, over to this forum of Api or Apius. And three taverns or three stores are located right there. And at that point, Christians from Rome travel down to meet the Apostle Paul here. Now, how in the world did they know he was coming? And they had never met him before. Because the Apostle Paul had never been to Rome before. But you will remember as we were going through the book of Acts that when he was in Corinth, he wrote the letter to the Romans. So the letter had been to the Romans. And so we have Christians already. These are Roman Christians here. 
And his letter had reached Rome, so no doubt through that letter, many of them had come to faith in Jesus Christ. Okay? Or maybe some of them were converts of his converts. Or maybe some of them came from the Acts chapter 2 outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost and made their way to Rome. But nonetheless, however they happened to be there, we have Christians in Rome, Roman Christians. And they go down about 30 miles, or approximately 30, maybe a little bit less, to meet their Paul in the Api, uh, the three taverns there, the form of Api. Now this Roman road Api is one of the famous roads, and it is full of traffic all the time. I mean, you're going to have gladiators and slaves being taken to Rome for uh, the amphitheater uh, fiascos that they would do because the ships have delivered their prisoners and these prisoners will be taken up and be used in the Roman Colosseums in order to fight with the lions, etc. So you would see a lot of traffic right here in this area. This is a very famous road, as I said. And all of a sudden, the Apostle Paul gets off of that boat and this huge entourage of Christians make their way to, this, to, to greet this man. Now, so they had never met him, but they knew about him because of the Roman letter. And because, of course, you know, they were believers in Christ Jesus. So they went to meet the Apostle Paul. And can you imagine what the centurion of the ship there, the prisoners that was watching over the prisoners and, and all of those people that were with the Apostle Paul, what they must have thought. And all of those people on that road of Api, that famous Roman road, uh, congested with all kinds of people. And all of a sudden, this huge entourage of believers go and meet this little Jewish man who's just got off the boat. You know, that centurion, that 275 men, aside from Paul, they saw what happened. They saw this man of God. They saw God working and, and helping them during that time of storm. And so they knew that he was a powerful man. But when they look up and they see these Roman believers coming to greet him, Everybody's looking at this and they're trying to figure out who is this man? That somebody would travel all the way from Rome to greet him like this, this huge company of believers. Who is this little Jewish man that he would have this kind of attention? You know, they knew he was a, a pretty awesome man of God, but, but this is probably really blowing their minds and they see all this different traffic on this road. But here comes the church to meet the Apostle Paul there on this famous road. <clears throat> the Bible says in verse 14, where well, we found brethren and were desired to tear with them, and they stayed seven days. And so we went toward Rome. And that really encouraged the Apostle Paul. Verse 15, from thence, when the brethren heard of us, they came to meet us as far as Api form and the three taverns, whom when Paul saw, he thanked God and took courage. That really, really encouraged the Apostle Paul when those Roman Christians made their way to greet him there, uh, right there on the border, amen, close to Rome. Praise the Lord. Now, the Bible says in verse 16, when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was separated well by himself with a soldier that kept him. So at this point, they are turned over to the praetorium guard, which was the bodyguard of the emperor. And Nero is the emperor at this time. They have arrived there in Rome around 61 to 62 A.D. And this centurion delivers the prisoners, delivers Paul into the hands of the Praetorian Guard, the bodyguard of Nero. 
And the scripture tells us that Paul was different. He was treated different than the rest of the prisoners. He was allowed to stay in his own hired house. So the Apostle Paul rented a house to stay in. And during that two-year period of time that he will be in Rome waiting to go before Nero to preach the gospel, the Praetorium Guard will come into that house. They will be chained to the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul would witness to that Praetorium Guard. If you read the book of Philippians, you'll find out that the Apostle Paul just about won all the Praetorium Guard. <clears throat> the bodyguard of Nero. They'd come in, they'd get chained to the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul would witness to that guard, to those Roman guards, Roman soldiers. Can you believe that? These pagan Roman soldiers. And through his witness, they would get converted. And history says that in... Are y'all with me here? Later in the future, the Bible even talks about the Apostle Paul would baptize them in Jesus' name. That, that the rain would come in wherever he was located, the rain would come in and fill up an area where he was at. He'd go over there and baptize them in Jesus' name. So, And Paul kept winning these soldiers to Jesus Christ, so they had to constantly change out the bodyguard because he just kept winning them all. So it doesn't really matter to Paul if he's on a, an island for three months because of winter or if he's on Sicily for three days because of wind. Or whatever the situation, the Apostle Paul is always working, serving God, witnessing and testifying. And if he's a prisoner, he's testifying to the Praetorian Guard, the bodyguard of Nero, waiting for two years before he would stand before Nero and preach the gospel to Nero as well. But he's always faithful, serving the Lord. The Bible says in verse 17, it came to pass that after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews. So now... There he's in Rome, and he's going to call for the Jews that are there. And the Bible says, what's his purpose? He wants to witness to the Jews as well. So while he's in that hired house, he calls for the Jews there. And of course, we're talking about unbelieving Jews. In verse 17, when they were come together, he said to them, Men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people or customs of our fathers, yet was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. He's looking at these Jewish men and he's telling them. He said, I haven't done anything wrong. He said, I don't even have anything against our people. See, he says, I don't have any malice. I'm not angry at, at, at the Jewish people, you know. He said, I don't want you to think that I'm angry with you or have something against you. He's telling them, nor did I do anything against the customs of the fathers. He said, I didn't go against the law of Moses or the prophets of, uh, of God or against the customs. He said, I am not preaching against the customs. I'm not preaching against the law of Moses. I'm not bringing in a new religion. What he's letting them know is that Judaism, he's not replacing Judaism. What he's letting them know is that Judaism has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And that's what he's been preaching everywhere he goes, that the fulfillment of the Jewish faith, the law of Moses and the prophets, that's the time. It's the time of fulfillment. It is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So he says, I don't have anything against you. And I, and I haven't been preaching against the customs and the law and the prophets. But they have been fulfilled. In a sense, they have been replaced by Jesus Christ. But he's not preaching replacement theology, which means that the church has replaced Israel. What he's saying is that what was preached, the law and the prophets that were preached to Israel, have been fulfilled 
in Jesus Christ. Now, he's not preaching a new message. It's not a new religion he's bringing into the world. It's rooted in the Old Testament scriptures. So he looks at his Jewish brethren and he said, I was delivered into the hands of the Romans because I've been accused by the Jews of going against the law of Moses and against the prophets and, and preaching some new religion. He said, no, that's not the case. They don't have anything against my people. Anything against the law or anything against the prophets. They have been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so he's going to testify to the Jews here. Now the Bible says, if you'll look at it in verse 18, as he's witnessing to the Jews here, who when they had examined me, would have let me go because there was no cause of death in me. Remember Felix? Felix was going to let him go. He was waiting for bribes and then Festus after him. Agrippa said, we could have let him go. But Paul said, I appeal to Caesar. Why do you say I appeal to Caesar? Because he wanted to go to Rome to preach the gospel to the center. To the center of the earth. He's an apostle to the Gentiles, so he wants to preach to the Gentiles. He wants to preach to the largest Gentile population in the world, and that's Rome. So he wants to take this gospel to Rome. And it's for a defense of the gospel. Because if he goes before Nero and preaches the gospel to Nero, and Nero says to Paul, you did nothing wrong. That means the rest of the church can preach throughout the Roman Empire, empire without fear. Without fear of dying. Without fear of being in prison. If Paul can get the approval from the, from the emperor of Rome, he said he did it for the defense of the gospel. So he wanted to spread this gospel to the Romans as a, as a Gentile apostle, apostle to the Gentiles, and get the approval of Rome on this faith called Christianity so that they would not be in prison. Now, we know later on they'd be persecuted for the faith, but this is the reason why he's there. In verse 18, when they examined me, would have let me go because there was no cause of death in me, but, verse 19, but when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar, not that I had ought to accuse my nation of. That's not why I'm here. He said, I'm not here to accuse my nation. For this cause, therefore, have I called for you to see you and to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. He said, the reason why I'm bound with this chain is because of the hope of Israel. The hope of Israel is that there would be a Messiah and the Messiah would come. And this Messiah has come. The one the prophets talked about. The sent one has come. Jesus has come. And Jesus has died. And Jesus has risen from the dead the third day. And Jesus sits on the right hand of the Father. And that's symbolic language, which means He has all power and all authority. And He said, this is why I'm chained. Is because the Messiah has come. Jesus has come. He's been crucified, dead, buried, resurrected, and He ascends today. He said, that's why I'm bound. And He said, this was the hope of Israel. Jesus was the hope of Israel. And this is why I'm bound, because I'm preaching Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And that He was crucified, dead, buried, resurrected, and ascended. Sets on the right hand of God right now. He said, that's why I'm in chains right now. Not because I'm going against my nation. Not because I'm bringing in a new religion. He said, this is the one that the prophets and the law pointed to. And He has come. And He's risen from the dead. 
And so he's preaching Jesus Christ to these Jewish people. And the Bible says, verse 20, For this cause therefore have I called for you to see you and to speak with you, because therefore the hope of Israel I'm bound with this chain. And they said unto him, We neither received letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither any of the brethren that came showed or spake any harm of thee. I have a hard time believing that. I have a hard time believing that these Jews over here in Rome did not know what happened over in Jerusalem. I have a really hard time believing that. That's what they said. They said, we don't know anything about you. We haven't received any letters. We haven't heard while you're here. I really have a hard time believing that. I believe they knew about the Apostle Paul. You understand what I'm telling you? Because the Bible says, verse 22, but we desire to hear of thee what thou thinkest for as concerning this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. See, we don't know what you're about. We, we have no letters. We don't have a, have a clue as to why you're here, you know. But then, the, then they turn right around and they say, we know one thing. This sect called Christianity is spoken against everywhere. How did they know that? How could they not know about Paul? but yet know about the faith he's preaching. So I really have a hard time believing that these Jews were being honest with the Apostle Paul when they say, we really don't know what's going on here. So verse 21 again, he said, And they said unto him, We neither received letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither any of the brethren that came showed or spake any harm of thee. But we desire to hear thee. The Jews said, we want to hear what, we want to hear what you think. Okay? Tell us what you think. For as concerning this sect, Christianity, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. So don't be surprised if the denominal world or people speak against this way called Christianity. See, this is not a denomination we're a part of. And I've already told you this before. We're not a part of a particular denomination. This is not a sect. We're not a sect of people. Okay, we're not heretics. We're, we're not caught up in heresy. It's not a denomination. We're not a religion. This, we are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. You have the Spirit of Jesus Christ living in you. He's the head. You're the body. You're not a sect. You're not a denomination. You're not an organization. You're the living organism, the body of Jesus Christ. He's the head. You're the body. Do you understand? But they're saying, we've heard about this sect, this little denomination. These people who follow the Nazarene, who are known as the people of the way. And these Jews said it's spoken against all over the world. Well, don't be surprised. It was spoken of in that, against in that day. It's going to be spoken against in this day. Understand? The denominal world is not, for the most part, have not ex accepted speaking in tongues. Have not expect, accepted the fact that you can be filled with the Holy Ghost. Have not accepted the fact that you can be healed in your body. You understand that? Have not accepted the fact that you, there's still miracles for us today. Have not ex accepted the fact that you must be baptized in Jesus' name to have your sins washed away. So, I mean, that's just the way it is. Now, look, you're, you're looking at a man that wasn't raised in this. I was raised in, in a, 
a denomination that was completely different from this. Yeah, I'm telling you the truth. And there was some good foundation that I learned in that church. And that church that I was raised in was a Lutheran church. But it's completely different uh, than this kind of move. Are you hearing me? And when I first came into Pentecost, the first time I ever walked into a church, it blew my mind. I saw people crying, lifting their hands, worshiping God. You know, some of them are speaking in tongues. And this is a Lutheran boy. I'm not used to that. I'm used to coming and sitting in church and be dead. And feeling nothing but the air conditioner. But guess what happened to this Lutheran boy? 30 years ago, when I was 18 years old, 30 years ago, this Lutheran boy was baptized in Jesus' name. And guess what happened? I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And would you believe this Lutheran boy spoke in tongues? And I fought against it, you know. And I remember the day, I really, I really fought hard against this, you know. And I remember the day, I really, I don't believe you got to speak in tongues to get the Holy Ghost. And I was telling my friend this. Guess what happened to me? That very night, I went to a church service and Brother Dice, my mentor, was there preaching. And after he got through preaching, he said, anybody want the Holy Ghost come up to the front? And so something, it wasn't just me, something sort of pushed me, not literally. But I walked up to the front and I'll never forget it. Me and one other young woman walked up to the front. We both lifted our hands. Brother, <coughs> Brother Dice laid his hand on me. And as soon as he did, the power of God hit me. Now listen, listen, I'm not making this up. It was like electricity running through the tops of my hands. It went all the way through my body. I went to my knees and I began to speak with other tongues and the Spirit gave the utterance. So you've come too late if you're going to tell me that you can't get this. Because I wasn't raised in this. But I can tell you I experienced it. And so now I'm not a part of a denominational system. I'm not a religious man. I've been saved by the power of the living God. And I've been filled with His Spirit. And so this very thing that was spoken against all over the world in Paul's day, I'm a part of it. And that's why the book of Acts does not have any formal conclusion. Because you are a continuation of the book of Acts. And what happened in the book of Acts is still happening today. People are still getting baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. We saw Nadine last Sunday night. The power of God came in our church service. You heard her testimony. And I don't mind repeating it. Her testimony was, she said, I thought, pointing to me, she said, I thought this man right here was taking my daughter straight to hell. And now, and now she's in the same church and she's filled with the Holy Ghost and she's baptized in Jesus' name as well. And I don't know what particular denomination she was a part of before all that, but she's a 57-year-old woman that just got filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues and was baptized in Jesus' name that same night. Praise the Lord. So this is not a religion. It's not a denomination. It's salvation. It's an experience in Jesus Christ. And when you get that experience, you're going to worship and you're going to shout and you're going to praise God and there's going to be life in it. We don't have anything against the denominal world. I don't have anything against the denominal world. 
They're walking in what they know. They're walking in the life that they have. But there's more, more to this. And Paul's going to witness to these Jews. Now listen. These Jews believe in the Old Testament. These are Jewish believers, if you will. But these Jewish believers haven't been born again yet. And so Paul is going to preach not just to the Praetorian Guard and win them to Christ, but he's going to witness to the Jews who believe as far as the Old Testament is concerned, but they're not born again yet. So Paul is preaching to these Jews right here. And he says in verse 22, he said, the Jews respond, We desire to hear thee what thou thinkest, for as concerning this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. And when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded, say expounded, and testified, what? The kingdom of God. He starts bringing the defense of the gospel to these Jewish men. And he's expounding the word of God to them. What word of God is he expounding? There's only been a few New Testament books that have been written, and many of them have been written by him. He's preaching right out of that Old Testament, the law and the prophets to these Jews, and he's showing that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of this. He's expounding, he's testifying like he always does, everywhere he goes. And he testified the kingdom of God. He let them know that Jesus Christ is God come in the flesh. He let them know that Jesus Christ reigns over the universe. He let them know, are y'all with me right now? That Jesus is going to judge them someday. That someday the Jews are going to stand before Him and all men are going to stand before Him because He is the King. He's the judge that all men will stand before someday. Are y'all with me right now? He's preaching them the kingdom of God. He's letting them know that Jesus is the rightful, the rightful King over the universe. And that the world is in revolt against Him. This way that's spoken against throughout the whole world is a world that's in revolt against the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's a world that's following after the prince of the power of the air. Foolishly following after Lucifer who claims to be the ruler of this earth. And men in revolt against Jesus Christ, men in revolt against God, the true king are following this usurper, Satan, who claims to be the king, but he's not. And they're foolishly revolting and foolishly following uh, Lucifer. But Paul is saying, I preach the kingdom of God to you. I tell you that Jesus Christ is the rightful king over the whole universe. And someday you'll stand before him. And all men who follow the prince of the power of the air are foolishly following one who claims to be king. But He's not the true king. Jesus is the true king. And He's God. And you'll stand before Him on judgment day. The resurrected Christ. The resurrected Lord. And so His servants, everywhere they went, they declared, Jesus is the king. Not Caesar. Caesar's not the true king. Caesar's not the Lord. You know, in that day they had to, to profess that Caesar was Lord and offer incense to Caesar. And the Christians said, no, Caesar's not Lord. Jesus is Lord. 
Jesus is sitting on the throne. And because of that, those Christians were taken and were fed to the lions because they refused to say Caesar was Lord, but Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords. So Paul preached the kingdom of God to these Jews. Someday you'll stand before Jesus Christ. And the kingdom of God is not in meat and drink. It's not in Jewish ritualism. But it's, the Bible says, not in meat and drink, but the kingdom of God is not in meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. They're telling him how to get into the kingdom. They're telling him how to be saved. They're telling him how. He's telling him how to be born again and enter this king, spiritual kingdom of Jesus Christ. How to be a part of His kingdom. Be saved from the kingdom of this world. And I'll tell you as I stand before you and preach to you today that you will make a decision either to be a part of the kingdom of this world or to be a part of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Everybody in this house this morning, you're going to make your decision someday. You're going to make your choice. You're going to follow that usurper Satan who's the prince of the power of the air. Are you going to follow Jesus Christ, the true King of kings and Lord of lords? And you're going to enter into His kingdom and be born again of the water and the Spirit and bow your knee to the King and humble yourself to Him. Take your knee to Him and humble yourself and bow your knee. Oh God, I pray that You would remove the pride out of all of our hearts. That everyone in this house today would have the pride removed out of your heart so that you would bow your knee to the King of kings and Lord of lords and enter into His kingdom and leave off following that usurper Satan. Don't foolishly follow Him. He'll take you into hell. That's His plan. His plan is to lay out everything He can to you to take you into eternal damnation. His desire. See, heaven is not the only thing that wants you today. Hell wants you today. And hell's fighting for you. He'll lie to you. He'll speak to your mind. He'll lie to you. He'll lay temptation out for you. And try to get you to think. Listen, be quiet please. Listen, let me talk. The Holy Ghost is speaking to somebody right now. The, the, the enemy will come and tell you. It doesn't matter how you live. You can be saved and live any way you want to. I'm telling you right now, as a servant of Jesus Christ, someday every man and every woman will stand before Him and He will judge us. Someday, I want to bow to Him right now. I want to humble myself before that King and be done with my pride and say, I'm not going to follow Satan. I'm not going to take his lies. I'm not going to take his food, his temptation. It's not worth it. But every man and every woman in this church house this morning, you're going to make a decision at some point. What lifestyle you're going to live. How you're going to go. You're going to give your heart to pride and to sin. Or you're going to bow your knee to the rightful King who will judge the quick and the dead at His return. I want you to know today, I made up my mind to be in His kingdom. <coughs> And I thank God by His grace, not because I deserved it. I want you to know by His blood I'm redeemed today. By His blood. And I'm born again today. And I thank God that I'm in His kingdom. So I choose to bow my knee. And so when Paul went into Rome that day, 
He preached to the Praetorian Guard, those rugged soldiers. You know what I'm talking about. Men who, what they were trained for was the art of war. They knew how to fight. They were tough-skinned, very courageous. They were not afraid of dying. And so Paul, he walks into Rome, uh, basically the capital of the world, and he starts preaching to these old rugged soldiers. All they knew was the ways of the emperor of Rome and Caesar and and and, and being tough and courageous and, and not fearing death, willing to die for the emperor of Rome. But Paul starts preaching to them and tells them, the true king is not Nero. The true King is Jesus Christ. And those old tough, rugged soldiers begin to one by one come into the kingdom. They made up their minds to leave the kingdom of that world and to come into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And so now he's preaching to the Jews, these religious people. And he's telling them, someday you'll stand before this resurrected Jesus. So you need to bow to Him right now and be born again. He's the only way you can be saved. And the Bible says many of them are going to believe as well. Isn't that awesome? And two years later, the Apostle Paul will stand before Nero a most cruel, wicked despot, a very evil man. But when Paul, two years from this time, stands before him, he will testify of the kingdom of God right in the face of Nero. And he will tell Nero that Jesus Christ is the king of the universe and that Jesus is God. Nero is not God. Nero is not the Lord. But Jesus is the Lord. And you know what happened after he went before Nero? Uh, history tells us he was released uh, of the accusation of sedition and he was able to go free. But not before he testified to Roman soldiers and they came in the kingdom. Do you realize that history tells us that these Roman soldiers that were won by the Apostle Paul, they went to Sweden, they went to Norway, they went to England, they preached the gospel to Sweden and Norway and to England. These soldiers went. Are y'all here? Converts of the Apostle Paul became a part of the kingdom of God and spread that gospel into Norway, Sweden and into England. Even in England today, there are things written on buildings that lets you know soldiers took the gospel and preached it there. These soldiers that were won by Paul. He came to preach the kingdom of God. And I'm coming to you today. And I'm preaching that same kingdom. I'm telling you, Jesus reigns today. And you can be a part of His kingdom. I don't know what you've done. I don't know what, what sin is in your life. I really don't care. But I can tell you there's a Jesus that died for you. There's a Jesus that shed His blood. I can tell you there's a King that's reigning in, over the universe and over His church. And I can tell you how to get in the kingdom. So now the gospel has been preached for 30 years in the book of Acts. What has just taken us a few weeks to preach, it took them 30 years. 30 years from the day of Pentecost to this point. Around 61 and then it will be 63 when he stands before Nero. 30 years that gospel has gone from Jerusalem all the way to Rome. The gospel has been preached throughout the world. The, the people are coming into the messianic kingdom. 
That message of repentance and water baptism in Jesus' name for the remission of sins and uh, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. That message has been preached all over the world. Now 30 years later, the Apostle Paul has made it to the capital of the world, Rome. He's an apostle of the Gentiles. He's going to preach that same message to the Romans and to the Jews. Can you imagine? The Messianic Kingdom has flooded the earth. The days of fulfillment are here now. Come into the kingdom of Jesus Christ and be born again. Ah, thank God for what you know. Thank God for what the religion, you know, your churchianity has brought you to. But there's more to it. God wants you to come into His kingdom. And so bow your knee to Him and be done with your pride. In the name of Jesus. And when he preached to them, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening, some believed the things which were spoken and some believed not. That's the way it always is. When you preach the Word of God, there's going to be some they hear, they believe, and they come into the kingdom. But then there's going to be some that reject it. Just get ready. And so even though this great apostle, the apostle Paul, that little Jewish man sitting there preaching under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, telling these Jews how to be born again. Now you need to remember this. These Jews were believers in God, but they weren't saved. And some believed what he preached and some didn't. That's just the way it is. Some decided to bow their knee to Jesus Christ and to come into his kingdom. And some decided to be a part of the kingdom of this world. Are y'all with me today? <laughs> The Bible says when they agreed not among themselves, you know, many of them walked out that day. Many of them believing, many of them not believing. And they got into a dispute. They started debating back and forth with each other. These Jews there in Rome as to the things the Apostle Paul had just preached. But many of them are being saved because of the witness and the testimony of this man. Give the Lord a praise if you would. <coughs> and when those that didn't believe how did Paul handle that? He didn't come personally. It wasn't a personal thing with Paul. You know what I'm trying to say? He picked up that Old Testament Scripture. He quoted from Isaiah chapter 6 and verses 10 and 11. He took the Word of God. He gave the Word of God to them so they wouldn't think that he was against them personally. He preached from the Bible. He took the Word of God that they knew, the prophets, and He declared to them that what Isaiah said to His generation, that generation who heard the prophets preach but rejected the preaching of the prophets, those people who heard the Word of God but did not believe it in the days of Isaiah. Paul says it's the same way it is now. Just like they rejected the Word of God in times past, in the history before this, he said, right now, you're rejecting the Word of God just like they did in the past. So he picks up the prophet Isaiah in chapter 6. And he says, when they agreed not among themselves, they departed after that Paul had spoken one word. Well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers, saying, go unto this people and say, hearing you shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see and not perceive. For the heart of this people is waxed gross. It's heavy. It's fleshly. It's full of pride. And, and their ears are dull of hearing. And their eyes have they closed. Lest they should see with their eyes. 
and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. Are y'all with me now? He said, this is this, this what's happening right now. These people not believing the word that's being preached. He said, Isaiah said the same thing in his day. He said, their eyes, they close to the truth. They don't want to see it. It's not because it's, in, it's not in the Word of God. It's not because it's not preached. It is preached. But people don't want to see it. They close their ears because they don't want to hear it. They get dull of hearing, get tired, get bored with the thing. You understand what I'm telling you? That's a diagnosis of the heart. Let you know something's wrong with the heart. God said if they just open their eyes and choose to see and choose to hear the Word of God, I'll help us today. God, have mercy on your soul. If you can walk out of this church and said, I didn't hear, I didn't understand what was preached. Let me tell you, what I preached to you is very plain. It's very plain. If you can't hear, you need to open your ears. If you can't see, you need to choose to see. The King of kings and Lord of lords is Jesus Christ. If you want to be born again, you will be. There's no devil in hell can stop you. If you really want this. You can make all the excuses you want to. and You can be religious as much as you want to be religious. But religion is not going to save you. Religion is going to put you in hell. What you need is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't close your eyes or close your ears. But choose to see and choose to hear and open up your heart. Don't just hear with your physical ear and see with your physical eye. Hear with your heart and believe the Word of God that's preached. So Paul, he said, that's not what I've been preaching not because I'm against this nation. And when they reject the Gospel, the Apostle Paul is still letting them know it's not, it's not a personal thing. You're born against the Word of God. You're rejecting God. You're closing your eyes. You're closing your ears. You're closing your heart to the preaching of the Word of God. Isaiah prophesied it of his day. And you're the same people. People don't change. People are the same. If you want to hear, you will hear. If you want to see, you will see. If you want to be in the kingdom, you will be in the kingdom. But if you choose to close your eyes... You close your, choose to close your ears, choose to close your heart to this. You walk out like these Jewish people, content with your religion. You'll be lost just like them. There's only one way to be saved, and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ and by being born again of the water and the Spirit. <laughs> so he goes right into the Word of God. He quotes their Bible and his Bible to them. Verse 28. Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God, you get that? The salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles that they will hear and they will hear it. Say, so what you've just rejected, they will hear. What you've just closed your eyes and your ears to, the Gentiles will hear it. But you had your opportunity. Are y'all here right now? Let me tell you how many hundreds and thousands of people in this city 
have never been baptized in Jesus' name and never been filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. They don't even know they can experience that. That's our responsibility. we got to be like Paul. we got to witness. we got to tell them that they can be a part of this kingdom as well. And in case you don't know it, if you're not Jewish naturally, that means you're, you were a Gentile. You're uh, the other nations of the world. And because of that, I got my opportunity. I got my opportunity to hear. <coughs> and when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning among themselves. Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him. Preaching the kingdom of God. Look at that. And teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. That's the way it ends. Doesn't it seem odd to you that we've been on this journey in this ship for about a year and Paul finally made it to Rome, his destination, with the opportunity to appeal to Caesar. And the Bible doesn't record the very reason why he went there. It doesn't, the Bible doesn't record him standing before Nero, but we know he did. According to history, two years later, he stood before Nero. And according to history, he was released from the accusation of sedition. Are y'all here? But the Bible just ends just like that. It almost ends like there's no conclusion because there is no conclusion. It's an introduction. The church is still in the world today. And people are still getting born again. Today. The story continues. You are a continuation of His story. This is only the first chapter of a long book for the church. That's why. While He was there in that Hired house waiting to see Caesar. We do know some things that happened. We do know a man by the name of Onesimus made his way to the Apostle Paul and he was a runaway slave of Philemon. And the Apostle Paul won that runaway slave to Jesus Christ and, and put a letter in his hands called the letter of Philemon. And Onesimus made his way back to Philemon not as a slave but as a brother in the Lord. <laughs> and we know the Apostle Paul, while he was there in that two-year waiting period, he wrote the book of Colossians, and he wrote the book of Ephesians, and he wrote the book of Philippians. Say, praise the Lord. So he was busy in prison. You see, a lot of people, well, it's winter time, so I can't do anything. Paul did. The winds aren't blowing right, so I'm just going to have to wait here three days. Paul did. There's a church there. All the way through. Well, I'm in prison now, so I just got to kind of feel sorry for myself, not Paul. He kept preaching. He kept witnessing. He kept testifying. Soldiers coming into the kingdom. Jews coming into the kingdom. A runaway slave comes into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And he walks out free after standing before Nero, preaching the gospel to Nero. And he lived another three to five years. And during the time of his freedom, he wrote the pastoral epistles of 1 Timothy and Titus. Are y'all here now? And then time goes by. And it's around 66 to 67 years. 
uh, 66 to 67 A.D., three to five years after his release, um, that same wicked, evil man, Nero, sets Rome on fire and blames the Christians. And at that very moment, the soldiers are sent by Nero as the Christians are being burned at the stakes. Many of the Christians taken and dipped in tar, put on the stakes and, and set on fire and Nero would ride his chariot through those burning Christians at that time. And at that time, they run in and get the Apostle Paul in Troas. Rush him out very quickly. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy, which was the last book he wrote, in his second prison encounter, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, the last book he wrote, I believe Paul, right before this time, according to history, he went all the way to Spain with the gospel. According to history, he went all the way to Great Britain with the gospel. During that time of freedom, he went to the churches he established. There was another missionary journey that we don't have recorded in the Bible. But now, is it that Nero has set fire to Rome and blamed the Christians for it and persecuting the Christians. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is going to write this final book during his last hours. In verse 6, he said, Timothy, he said, For I'm now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. The word departure is a picture of a ship that's undocking from the dock and going out into the sea. The Apostle Paul says it's time for this ship to undock from this earth and to go into heaven. The Bible tells us as they rushed in to gather the Apostle Paul, they take him up so quickly. In verse 13, he tells Timothy, he talks to Timothy about a cloak and about some books that he had left behind in Troas. Verse 13, he said, The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee, and the books, but especially the parchments. They gathered the Apostle Paul so quickly he didn't even have time to get his coat or his books. Rush him out of that house of Troas. And he says, Timothy, he says, Go and get my coat. It's going to be a long, hard winter here in Rome. He says, Timothy, do your diligence to get here before winter time. Because I need my coat. Verse 21, do thy diligence to come before winter. You be less greeteth thee and Pundus and Linnaeus and Claudia and all the brethren. He said, Timothy, hurry up and get here with my coat. It's going to be a long, cold winter. The Apostle Paul never saw winter. He finished writing 2 Timothy. He set his pen down. He got up. 
the Roman soldiers escorted him out of his room. And there he was beheaded for his faith in Jesus Christ. And that's the way the story ends. The book of Acts. We don't have a record of any of that. We just have a record of the gospel being preached. If you look at it, you'll see in that last chapter, even Luke, something has happened to Luke. The we phrases and the us phrases are not there. wonder what happened to Luke. The Bible doesn't tell us. It could be that Luke died. But the Bible didn't tell us. It could be that Luke went to Ephesus and then eventually died. The Bible doesn't tell us. The Bible doesn't tell us that the Apostle Paul eventually will be taken out of Troas and have to leave his coat and his books behind and then while he's writing that Second Timothy, be taken out of that house to be beheaded for the gospel. It doesn't tell us. Why is that? Because the servants of Jesus Christ are not what's important. Because when Luke dies or when Paul dies, the message of the gospel will continue. And the same thing with you and the same thing with me. When you and I die and we pass from this world, if the rapture doesn't take place in your lifetime, the gospel will continue. And I'm not important and you're not important. What is important is that Jesus is still alive and the gospel must be preached. the gospel made it all the way to Rome. And what is that gospel message they preached? If you'll turn to Acts chapter 2. Peter is preaching in this particular passage. It is also interesting that the Bible doesn't record what happened to Peter. But they took the apostle Peter and they crucified him. Tradition says upside down the cross. He's a Jew. You can crucify him. Paul is a Roman citizen. You can crucify him. You have to behead him. The apostle Peter in the book of Acts, and this is the message that Paul preached as well. In Acts chapter 2, he preaches the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when he gets through preaching that message of the finished work of Calvary, Verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Not so you can become a part of a denomination, but for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and your children and all that are far off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And He still called them today. And with many other words did He testify and exhort saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. That's the message they preached. Jesus Christ, the living Lord, Working through his body and putting that body on the earth to be a witness to the world. But as his soldiers, one by one, leave this world, 
Somebody else will stand and take their place and preach that gospel. That's why you have a continuation of the book of Acts and not a conclusion. It's now on you. It's now on you. Let's stand, Father. We come before you today and we thank you. For the word of God, I thank you. For the book of Acts, I thank you. For the faithful witness and faithful testimony of Peter and Paul, Luke, Aristarchus, Timothy, Titus, so many others. James, the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. Father, I thank you that we are a part of that same church. That we are in the very prototype that we experience the very same thing that that early church experienced. Use us, Lord, I pray, to preach the kingdom of God and to declare everywhere we go to all men and all women that you're the rightful king. Let this world that's in revolt come and bow its knees to you. Repent, have their sins washed away in the name of Jesus and be filled with your Spirit. We thank you for every ear that was willing to hear and every eye that was willing to see and every heart that said yes as we preach through these chapters of the book of Acts and saw the history of the early church and the ongoing history of the church now. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for the blood that you shed for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The book of Acts is not the story of the Apostle Paul, nor is it the story of the Apostle Peter, nor is it the story of Luke. It's the story of Jesus Christ. And you are the continuation of the introduction of the book of Acts. I'm going to ask us to pray one more time. And I want you to bow your heads. And I want you just to commit yourselves to Jesus Christ. I don't know what storm you may go through. I don't know what cold winter you may be in. I don't know. Maybe you're waiting for some winds to move you to a different place. I don't know if you're a prisoner today. But I know one thing. Jesus Christ can bring you into His kingdom. and He can change your life and turn you into a vessel for His glory. And maybe you someday will become a prisoner for Jesus Christ and maybe you someday will die a martyr's death to glorify Him. But that's alright. He's worthy of our lives. Lord, I bow my knee to You now. And I declare that you're the King of kings and Lord of lords of my life. 
Remove all pride and all sin from my heart. And I rejoice today in your saving power and your ability to save me and your ability to save those who are present in this service. You got Paul all the way to Rome and in his dock, his ship came off the dock and his ship left this earth beheaded for you into heaven. This is the hope of Israel and this is the hope of the church. Lord Jesus Christ, you are our God. And we love you and we thank you for saving us. It's not too late for you. As you stand right now, the Lord is going to give an altar call. As you stand, if you would like to come to the front here and not to shake my hand or to become a part of a denomination, and this is the invitation is to the church and to everybody present. If you would like to just come right now and stand in the presence of the Lord with hands lifted up, and thank Him that the gospel reached you. The Word of God has touched your heart today and you have not been baptized in Jesus' name or filled with the Spirit of the Lord. The good news is that He provided it for you as well. Will you come? Hallelujah, Jesus. Father God, we pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Every precious soul. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, how He loves you. You've been through a lot. You've been through a lot of storms, experienced a lot of cold things in your life. But the Lord can bring you into His kingdom. Mighty God, we rejoice. We, we 